0: Today is the Sunday we call by that fancy word, transfiguration, because we always hear that story of Jesus being transfigured, that is, changed to look different than he usually looked up on a mountain with a few of his closest disciples. It's an important story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell it in a remarkably similar way just before Jesus turns his face to Jerusalem and the cross. But it's kind of a weird story, too. And one of those that you, wear, you read and think, now what is that one supposed to mean? <laughs> Jesus got all glowing white. Didn't we do a good job of glowing white today with these new lights? Then Peter wanted to build some tents so they could just stay up there on the mountain and hang out. At first glance, it seems like one of those stories that we file away with the so-and-so begat so-and-so and on and on and on, and don't really worry about it. We'll take the 23rd Psalm and the woman at the well. Those are a lot easier to deal with. But as I read through several commentaries, a thread that seemed to unite them was the belief that Peter, James, and John got a gift when they saw Jesus all lit up along with Moses and Elijah, it was like a curtain was pulled back and they saw who he really was. And maybe that was exactly the thing they needed as they had to walk with him to the cross. I was having a conversation with some teenagers, and they were saying that in an ancient history class, they were talking about how religion involves brainwashing. Patriotism can be that way, too, they learned. And at first, I was offended. I don't consider myself in the business of brainwashing. But as I tried to calm down and listen, I started thinking, you know, maybe having our brains washed in the light of Christ isn't all that bad. Because maybe just... Maybe that's when you start to notice things you might not notice otherwise. As I was talking to those kids, I said, I hope you know your parents don't force you to go to church because they're trying to brainwash you. They do it because they want you to know and see and feel how much God loves you. Because life, if it isn't already hard, is going to get hard. And you will need to lean on that love. And they hope beyond hope that by taking you here, you will learn to see Jesus out there. And actually, maybe they do hope your brains will be washed a bit. Because it is a joy when our brains are washed in the love of God. So there's a gymnast at UCLA named Caitlin Ohashi. I ran across her story, and it's pretty amazing. I guess she was an Olympic-bound, world-class gymnast. She even beat Simone Bile at Worlds. But she suffered a shoulder injury that should have ended her career. Despite being told she would never compete again, she wrote off the doom and gloom and began training and told her coach, I am not going to come back to the sport if it means being the best. Why? Why? said there was no joy in being the best. The pressure to compete for the top was all work and no play. She said, I'm not going to compete again unless it's all play and a lot of work. I guess her last floor routine on YouTube had over 40 million views. And this isn't just because she scored a perfect 10. You should watch it. It's because she is so joyful in it. It's sheer joy in motion watching her. So what does this have to do with the transfiguration and being brainwashed? I'm going to go out on a limb today and say maybe Jesus was transfigured just for the joy of it. Maybe he wanted to let his disciples know that he was going to surprise them, appear to them, be with them. And when you start looking yourself and stop worrying if you're being brainwashed or if you're right or if you're reading the Bible the way you're supposed to, you might be surprised by Jesus too. And you might start to see Jesus all over the place. Got a few stories of seeing Jesus lately. At the next service, Two little kids, Nicholas and Julia, are receiving their first communion, and they have been a joy to teach about what this all means. One Sunday, a few weeks ago, I was serving the bread, and Nicholas came up for a blessing, and he said to me, I just can't wait for March 3rd. (laughs) Remember a couple weeks ago when Matthew was baptized? He came into his parents' life when they were a bit, shall we say, Abraham and Sarah-ish. But they have welcomed and loved him, and I told Matthew when he got baptized, he would get a whole new family, all of you. Did you hear him up there? He said, as we, you were making promises to him, are they my family now? Yes, we are, Matthew. Patty Randall said I could tell this story on her. I was visiting her a couple weeks ago, and she had major back surgery, and several of you brought meals to her, and she told me a story about the first meal she received. It turns out she was maybe going to have to stay an extra day in the hospital, so she tried to call Kim and stop the meal from coming because Patty likes to take control of things. She said I could say that. But then she ended up getting out of the hospital that day and not getting a hold of Kim. And when she and Wade got home, there was the meal. They opened the cover, and it was still warm. And she said it was like the Holy Spirit on her front porch saying, See, Patty, I got this. You can let go of all that control you like so much. Or a woman on our retreat last weekend. She was telling the story of being worried about a friend who's an avowed atheist. She's been trying to share faith with her, but this woman will have none of it. She was feeling bad about it. But I guess when she told her mom about it, her mom said, hmm, well, won't she be surprised? I guess it was a weight lifted off her shoulders, and it made her giggle in joy. When your brain is washed in joy and Jesus' love, you start to see him everywhere. But there is another part to the transfiguration story, isn't there? Lent starts on Wednesday, and when you come to worship on Ash Wednesday and for all of the Sundays these next few weeks, there's going to be a cross laying right over there. Pastor Bill is going to preach on Wednesday about how we live in the shadow of that cross always, and the story of the transfiguration isn't complete without the knowledge that it happens in the shadow of the cross. When Jesus talks with Moses and Elijah in the story, they talk about his departure. That means they were talking about him going to Jerusalem to die. And after being on that mountain where Peter wanted to build a house and stay forever, who's the first person they see when they come down? But a dad who is so scared and hopeless but he, because he has tried everything, but nothing he does has been able to help his son. Now before this story, Jesus had sent the disciples out to heal, and they were able to do it, but not here. Here they could do nothing. And that happens, doesn't it? We pray for our kids and bring them faithfully to church, and they don't believe. We long to see Jesus, but he seems absent. We ask to be healed, and we aren't. Even Jesus gets frustrated here. I wonder if that's why he yells, you faithless and perverse generation. Is he angry at us, or is he saying, I get it, it's hard. It is so difficult living in the shadow of the cross at our retreat last weekend we spent time praying and one person who was on the hearts of several women there is a young man who struggles with addiction i know there isn't a person here who's not had their life affected by addiction in some cases demonic almost seems the perfect description Something seems to get people in their grasp, and they just can't be free. We want to yell, just stop! But the lure is so strong. As we prayed for him, I thought about the circle of women. He had no idea who were in his corner, praying and remembering him and claiming his life for Jesus. We wanted him to know Jesus is right there with you. I saw Jesus in that circle of praying women. Did you know prayer is the one way that Luke's story of Jesus being transfigured is different from the other ones? Prayer is hugely important to Jesus, and in Luke, he's praying when all the major things happen in his life. Here's what David Lowe says about prayer. Perhaps prayer is a way of attuning ourselves to God and the way we share a life with God. And it also is practice. Prayer is practicing, lifting up to God our joys and concerns, dreams and fears, hopes and anxieties. And that means we think about all of these things in light of God and our faith. Means every time we pray, we bridge the gap between our daily life and our church or faith life. If you think about it, isn't that what I'm talking about in seeing Jesus? I think often we struggle with how what happens here affects our lives out there. Maybe that's why so many people call this brainwashing. But when we pray, when we acknowledge that God is here and at our work and at our school and everywhere we go at the mall or whatever, something changes in us. We start to see God at work. We start to believe faith matters for all of life. A lot of people say that Corinthians lesson today is about the most confusing one that Paul writes guy who described that veil of God being removed and us looking at Jesus and seeing the face of God and our face in Jesus, he likened it to when you're really trying to listen to someone and figure out what they're thinking. Does that work? Not really, does it? (laughs) Because what we end up doing is Thinking what we're thinking and putting what we're thinking onto them. I do that a lot. But in a way, as we look at their face, we start to see our face. and Maybe that's what God wants for us when we pray to God. We look at God's face and we start to be transfigured and see our face. We start to change talk to God when we seek God's face maybe that's when our brains are washed in his love and his joy and he becomes revealed in us i'm sure you have a lot of questions about this like those teenagers so you know what as we head into the season of lent i want you to embrace your questions it's great to have doubts Pray, share them all with God. And then what I want you to do is just throw caution to the wind and say, what the heck, I'm just going to believe I'm seeing Jesus. Someone else might say it's just a casserole, but not to me. To me, the veil has been removed. I'm going to just stop worrying and think about thinking the right thoughts or praying correctly and just be free like that gymnast Caitlin. Because in God's eyes, we're all perfect 10s telling you, it's true. So this Transfiguration Sunday, open your eyes. Jesus is here in the good, the bad, and the ugly. We live in the shadow of his cross, and our faces reflect his glory. Let it be so in our lives.